0: Go, people. Last time? Oh, I've got tissues in my pockets. All right. Okay. It's a good story, isn't it? I love Samuel. Love Samuel. His story is incredible. And I just want to give you a little bit of background to that chapter so we know where we're up to. We're after the judges. So, Samuel is sometimes thought of Oz as the last of the judges, and that's because this story follows the pattern that the judges' stories follow but he's quite different. So we have Samuel here in this cha- in chapter 3. He was the miracle baby. You see there's two families involved here. The first one, we have Samuel who was this miracle baby born to Hannah, his mum, who had prayed and prayed because she couldn't have children. And all her husband's other wives were having kids and were tormenting her and teasing her. And she prayed and said to God, if you give me a boy, I'll give him back to you. So that's what she did. Samuel was born and he was given to the priest. She saw him reasonably regularly, but she didn't have to deal with the messy bits. And then we have Eli, him. Eli's an old man by this point, and he has two sons of his own. They're a priestly family, so he's not the only priest. His sons are priests as well, and you can read about them in the previous chapter. Their names are Hockney and Phineas. Please don't name your children after them. They are wicked. Eli had this terrible problem, and it was called Hockney and Phineas. And I kind of think, and I look at this story, they were priests in the temple, and when people brought their offerings to God... They would just take them for themselves. And time and again, God had said, this is wrong. These men are wicked. They are evil. They need to be dealt with. And nobody dealt with them. I feel like Eli sometimes, I was reading that story and thinking, he sounds a bit like the mother of the Cray twins to me. Her name was Violet Cray, Ronnie and Reggie's mum. And she thought her boys were wonderful and could do no wrong. I mean, that sounds crazy, doesn't it? But, you know, a mother's love and all that. Well, Eli was a little bit like that with his boys, Hockney and Phineas. But you see, the difference is, of course, that the responsibility of being a priest and being part of the priesthood is immense. And what was going on here was in the absence of any authority, you know, somehow God's not even speaking at this point It all goes a bit Lord of the Flies, doesn't it? Now, I don't know, if if you're a teacher, you'll know what this is like. And if if you're a pet, well, to be fair, we've all been children, we all know what this is like. When mum leaves the room, it doesn't take long before the kids start playing up, does it? You know, if you're a teacher, do you remember being at school and the teacher going, I'll be back in a minute, sit down and carry on with your work? Do you remember that? You're clearly all too good. Because when that happened in my class, we did not sit down and carry on with our work. We had one person looking I went to an all-girls school, so we were really good. One person was looking out of the window, waiting for the teacher to come back. Well, everybody else just jumped on the desks and rioted. So, yes, as I say, it all goes a bit Lord of the Flies in Eli's household, because nobody's really taking responsibility. Eli, the dad, is probably hiding in a corner, groaning at at this point. Well, you know, as a mum, I've been there as well. Parenting is a tough, tough call. I think it's the toughest call of all, really. You know, I've worked in forensic psychiatry, I've wrestled murderers for a living, and it's easier than bringing up children. But the good thing is, chapter 3, verse 3 tells us the lamp had not gone out. All was not lost. You see, in this story, Eli actually gets a second chance by becoming the adoptive father of Samuel. There's a couple of Eli's parenting things that I'd like to point out at this point that remind me of myself. I wonder if you can relate, even as a child. Verses five and six. I have got my glasses, haven't I? So I should be able to read it. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you call me, but Eli said, I did not call, go back to bed and lie down. How many times have I done that to my children in the middle of the night? And it's usually ended up being something really important, but I've just pulled the duvet over my head, and it's generally ended in vomit, really, hasn't it? You know, you just pull, go back to bed! Oh, oh dear. And this is what Eli was doing, something really important was happening, and, you know, it took a while for it to register for this poor old fella. And secondly, in verse 17, this cracked me up. What, did, what was it when he's asking, he's asking Samuel what God said to him? Eli asked, do not hide it from me, may God deal with you, be it ever so severely. I hope you've never said that to your child. If you don't behave yourself, God's gonna punish you! That's horrible, isn't it? a horrible thing we don't say that to our children or maybe we do occasionally threaten that slightly bit more violence than we ever would really use. Might have done that, might have heard it, my goodness I'd heard it as a child that's for sure. But here's Eli, he is getting a second chance at being a parent. You see his heart somehow is devout and sincere but it's weak when it comes to his wicked sons. Samuel was his chance to try again. So being a priest, eh? I'm going to find out what that means soon enough, which is really quite scary. So in this church we have priests. We have John and you have Chris and um, Jen and Mark as well. But as a church congregation, we believe in the priesthood of all believers, right? And that's the, the verse to uh, accommodate. Accommodate. That's not the right word, is it? I'll just read it to you. Never worry about the word. It's 1 Peter 2, verse 5, that says this You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, we all have different gifts, and some of us are called to a more formal type of priesthood. But the truth is, if you love Jesus, you're a priest. That means that you all have the capacity to share God with one another. You have the capacity to be the mediator to the world, to show Jesus to the world. That's your job. That's our job as Christians. Discipling one another. Mentoring, being accountable to one another, encouraging one another. Are we seeing gifts in each other? When we come to church, when we hang out with each other, are we thinking, what is it that God's growing in this person? How can that be used in the church amongst God's people? Are we mentoring? Are we looking for those different gifts in one another? You see, because there's no room in the church for jealousy or pride or arrogance. Because those are not gifts from God. They are not from God at all. But we become more whole people if we are using the gifts that God has given us. You know, if you're quite good at something, does it make you feel good? when you do it. Because the chances are that's a gift God's given you. If you feel like you come alive when you do carpentry, when you run, when you speak, when you hang out with children, oh, the list is absolutely endless. Maybe God has given you a gift. If when you play a musical instrument, people encounter the Holy Spirit That is a gift from God. And as a church, we need to be, excuse me, encouraging one another to use those gifts. For we are the priesthood of all believers. We become more whole people, as I said, if we use those gifts and operate within that gifting. If we don't, we get very tired and we become like a square peg in a round hole. You know that saying? So if you try and get me to do administration, for example, I will die. If you if you ask me to spend a lot of time on the telephone, I will be a gibbering wreck by the end of the day. Because those are things that I am not good at at all. And I really need to find some people, wherever I end up, to find some people who are good at those things to complement my gifts. Otherwise, I will die. I don't care what age you are. If you still don't know what the gifts are that God has given you, ask a friend. Ask somebody you trust, who loves the Lord, who will help you to grow in those gifts. And we will together then be a whole people. And that'd be good, won't it? Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. On that note, oh God, you are so good. We need to talk about all age. Oh dear, Charlotte's going to talk about all age. I've been waiting 20 months to do this. We need to get to grips with this passage where Jesus said, if you do not change and become like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of God. This story of Samuel is a child, a child listening to God, a child who doesn't even know God yet, and yet hears his voice. I need to tell you why all age is so important, why it is vital for the growth and development of this church. And I'm not just talking about the practical reasons, so the leaders can have a week off, because we haven't got enough people to run anything, because it is so much deeper than that, folks, so much deeper than that. And I know that many of you find all age worship really hard. I know many of you stay away if you know it's all age worship. And actually it's an accident because you didn't know if you're here. I know that. And I know a lot of families stay away. And families, I don't want you to feel like you have to wrestle your toddler through all age. Because that is not what it's about at all. I'll tell you a story that a friend of mine told me. She said she was babysitting uh, for a friend of hers, uh, babysitting a three-year-old little girl while her parents had gone to a funeral of a friend who had died very suddenly. And uh, she was with the little girl in her house and the little girl was doing what kids do and she decided the game was all my teddy bears and dollies are in hospital. So we'll line them all up and then we'll bandage them all up and that was the game. Brilliant. Now my friend got a bit bored with this game and uh, and said, well now you've you've bandaged everybody up, what shall we do now? And this child just looked at her, bemused. We haven't finished yet. "Oh, what do you mean you haven't finished yet? Well we haven't prayed for them yet. So they spent the next 20 minutes praying and laying hands on every single teddy, dolly and toy. That the child had, laid, had put out. And then the child turned to my friend and said, it doesn't matter if they get healed now or tomorrow or not at all. Because what we've done is we've shown them that we care. And we've shown God that we trust him. That was a three-year-old. That was a three-year-old. You know, being family gives us time to listen together, whatever age, to listen to what these children have to say. Yes, it might be messy. It might be noisy. It might be uncomfortable. It might be experimental. It might be completely illogical, completely chaotic. But amidst all that, what do you think would happen if we came expecting God to speak to us in all age worship? He may not speak through a preacher. He may not speak through the singing. But he may speak in those little ways of us watching and listening to one another. Look at the boy Samuel speaking the word of God into an ageing priest's life. It wasn't easy. The child was terrified. In fact, the scripture says he stayed up all night and he was afraid to tell Eli. We need to make it easy for children and young people to hear God and to share God with us, don't we? We don't need to be like Eli and make it difficult. As a church, we need to make it as easy as we can. I hope you enjoyed my quiz. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> I don't really care if you didn't. Anyway, <laughs> ears are very important, aren't they? And we're not very good at using them. And in this story, there are two people who needed to listen. Samuel needed to listen to God to learn to recognize the voice of the one he would very soon call Lord. Samuel became the greatest prophet probably Israel had ever known. He became the man who chose the kings. His story is phenomenal. And I encourage you, if you haven't, to read it and get to know it, because it is an amazing story of one man's uh, reliance and trust in God. Eli needed to listen to Samuel. And I wonder if we are any good at listening. And if we listen carefully enough to God's call to us as a church. Yeah, we know welcome and hospitality are our thing for this year. But what does that mean for me? As part of this body, as part of this priesthood of all believers? Am I hearing what God is saying to me as part of the body of Christ? And if you don't know him yet, are you listening when he tugs at your heart and says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest? This scripture starts with a painful, painful verse. That says during a time when the word of the Lord was rare. And I often think we're living in a time like that. And then I remember there's generally two reasons why the word of the Lord is rare. The first one is because we're not listening, spending too much time on Facebook, not spending enough time just listening to God. And the second is because we're not listening. He's gone and found somebody else who will listen. I know we don't want to be that sort of a church. We want to be a church with elephant ears, with fennec fox ears, with the ears of whatever that animal Dave told me really was, the one with the biggest ears, I can't remember. So that when God whispers to us through the words of a child, we are ready. So, my final words. Are we growing, Samuels? Not just children. Could be adults. Those around us who are going to be prophets of God. Who are going to be, who have these amazing gifts that God wants to use. Are we growing them or are we just feeling a bit jealous? You Eli's out there. We need you. The church needs you to be listening, listening out for these people and ready to grow and develop the gifts of those around you. And you Samuels, no matter what your age, no matter how long you've known God or not known God, I urge you, listen to him. What are those gifts that he's longing you to use for his glory? And let's see this church grow in faith and come closer and closer to his kingdom. Amen.